Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Jesus, we thank you that your presence is here and that you are clearly with us. God, I ask that you would just open our, our hearts and our minds to see more of that. We know that we know that you're here, and, um, and we're the ones that fail at times to see you or to, to experience you, and, and God, would you just grant us the grace to, to release what needs to be released this morning and to step in what needs to be uh, fully stepped into, God, and that you might cause us to be transformed in how we see the world and how we see ourselves and others and you, um, and in that our hearts and our minds, our spirits even, even down to a cellular level, we might be transformed, God. We thank you for your goodness this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I remember when I was 10 years old, we, had, uh, we were carving pumpkins at Halloween time. And, uh, you know, as a 10-year-old boy, the, 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 like, the favorite part is scooping all the guts out of the pumpkin, you know? And, uh, like, carving it's whatever, but it's like the scooping all the guts out of it and putting it in the bowl that's the most exciting part of carving a pumpkin. So in my 10-year-old way, I'm scooping out all the pumpkin seeds and getting them all out. And I remember at the end of our time of carving pumpkins, my dad said, hey, you need to go throw the seeds away. And then I did what a 10-year-old boy would do. I took the bowl and I threw them on the side of the house uh, because I, you know, even the, 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 the trash can was probably another like 20 feet away, but of course that took too much effort. So I just threw them on the side yard and didn't think about it. And our, our side yard at our house was kind of an area that we didn't go to a lot. It was kind of hidden. And so we didn't see that area of our house much. So I figured this is a great spot to throw the pumpkin seeds out until... Two months later, I came back and there were vines growing everywhere. Uh, and I didn't know what to do. I was actually shocked because if you've ever seen a pumpkin vine, they don't grow uh, small and they don't grow slow. They grow fast and huge. And so I literally turned the corner and there was like a pumpkin patch in the side of our house. And uh, I went and was like, Mom, there's something wrong in the backyard. Now, I did not connect at the time that these were pumpkins. I was just like, what is going on on the side of our house? And so my parents come over. It's a mystery. They're confused. I'm confused. And so we're like playing back what happened over the last few months. And finally, we realized, oh, it's because I had thrown the pumpkin seeds on the side of the house that now we have this pumpkin patch. And I said, what should we do about this? And they said, let's see what happens, right? And so I'm telling you, by the time next Halloween rolled around, our entire backyard was flooded with pumpkin vines. I mean, it, it, it took over the entire side yard. It wrapped around into our backyard. And by the time Halloween came around, I think we supplied the entire neighborhood with pumpkins 
because we had so many pumpkins from planting those seeds there in that moment. Now, here's the thing. I'm a city kid. I did not grow up in a rural area of the United States. I grew up here in the Inland Empire, the LA area. And so uh, agriculture to me is like a very uh, novel thing. Uh, like in my head growing up, vegetables came from the grocery store, right? So it, was, it, it, was like a, it was like a dawning moment when I was like, oh, they grow in the ground, right? And so it was a shock to turn around and to see all of the pumpkins there. And then it was even a more shock to have pumpkins grow from the pumpkin seeds that were planted, right? Now, it shouldn't be a shock because, of course, logic would tell you that when you plant pumpkin seeds, pumpkins are going to be what you get back if the environment is correct. In fact, the only evidence that the environment is perfect and that uh, pumpkin seeds have been planted is that pumpkins will grow out of the ground from the planting in that moment. Now, here's the thing. It would be very odd if I had thrown pumpkin seeds into the side yard and tomatoes came up, right? And if tomatoes were growing and I went out there and I insisted, I, insi I was like, no, you don't understand. I planted pumpkin seeds. You, you are wrong. I am right. I don't know what has happened, but something has clearly gone wrong in the ecosystem here. That would be very weird, right? Because the evidence that I had planted pumpkin seeds would be that pumpkins grew. The evidence that I had planted tomato seeds would be that tomatoes grew. It would mean that I was mistaken in that moment. It would be equally strange if nothing grew but weeds and I insisted that this was a healthy environment for these seeds. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is like the perfect healthy environment for these seeds. This is the perfect space. And every, everything is exactly as it should be. And nothing's growing but weeds. That would also be equally strange. It would mean that there, the lack of growth would be an indicator that the environment's off. That the soil's off. That the circumstances to have pumpkin seeds grow in that moment would be non-existence. Now here's the thing. Our souls are a little bit like a garden. There's actually a lot of metaphors in the scriptures that Jesus uses to explain our spiritual conditions that have to do with agriculture. And so he says things like, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he says, if you stay connected to me, your source, then you will grow. Natural metaphor. He says, everyone that loves God, he also prunes. So if, you're, if you are connected to God in some way, there are parts of your life that he is going to cut off and remove and separate for the sake of new growth. And so he uses this natural metaphor. In the, in the Psalms, it says, they shall be like a tree planted near water whose leaves are green and it never withers. And so there's this natural metaphor to explain what happens when we engage spirituality in a very powerful way. The scriptures say, if you have faith just as small as a mustard seed, you'll be able to move mountains. And Jesus actually says, look at the flowers. Do I not take care of them? Do I not give them beautiful clothes? Do I not make them even more splendid than kings? And he said, look, if I take care of the flowers, how much more so will I take care of you? There's so many natural metaphors in the scriptures for our spirituality because there's such a powerful connection between this, the two. Because our soul, in many ways, is the soil from which a lot of things can grow. That our soul was designed to be the place where when you plant things in it, in the right environment, lots will actually be produced from your life. This is why one of our core values here at Humanity Church is that creativity is the natural result of spirituality. Now that doesn't mean that, you're, that when you hear creativity, that doesn't mean like you're going to be an artist or you're going to be a filmmaker or you're going to be a poet. It just means that when, when the soil of your heart 
is in, is in healthy space, is in a healthy condition, there's all kinds of things that will come out of your life. All kinds of creativity and wisdom and insight and new ways of relating and new behaviors that will naturally grow from your life. So the question that we are, are left to answer is, what is growing in the garden of our life? And what does that inform us about what's taking place in the soil and what we're actually planting inside of us? I love that this passage in Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7, it, it's a powerful passage, another natural metaphor that the scriptures use to explain how this planting and reaping works. It says this, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction, whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Have you ever paused long enough in life to just consider what are you reaping? Like what's actually growing in your garden? Well, what's actually coming out of the soil of your life? And what have I been sowing to create this type of environment for myself and other people around us? See, I actually find that most people don't pause long enough to take a good, long evaluation of the garden of our life. We intuitively know what's there, and so it leaks out. So we'll say things like, man, I just, I feel really stuck right now. And so we know, like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm reaping a whole lot of stuck right now. Other people will say, you know, I, I'm just, I'm bored right now, or I, I am experiencing a lot of hope right now, or, or I'm experiencing despair, or compassion, or anger. And so we intuitively have this idea around what's going inside of us. For, but for many of us, we don't actually sit down and pause and say, what's actually going on for me? What, what am I producing in my life? And what's that environment like, not only for me, but for other people? See, here's the powerful and incredibly annoying thing about this passage of scripture. It's the thing that actually will empower you to transform almost anything in your life, to transform almost every experience that you have, to transform every relationship, to transform every circumstance, to transform your emotional experience in this life. And so there's a lot of power in this, but getting to that realization is actually quite annoying. And I'm going to tell you why, because here's the thing. The scriptures actually suggest that whatever is growing in the garden of your life, you have been actively sowing it. That whatever, whatever you can just look around at your life and say, hey, what, what, what am I reaping? Well, what's going on around me? And the scriptures say, hey, awesome, take a look at that. And in some level, you have been sowing that into your life. See, here's the thing that I find. Everyone loves the idea of having the freedom to choose in their life. How many of you like love that idea? Like I get to choose, right? I get to choose, I have freedom to choose. I get to choose how I live my life. I get to choose how I sow my life. I get to choose how I give my life. That's awesome. Now everyone loves the freedom until we realize that if we are free to make choices, then we are the ones responsible for the fruit of those choices. No one really likes that, right? Because everyone loves, like, yeah, I'm going to make my decisions. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. I'm going to do my things, right? And I'm going to make sure. And then when we reap the harvest of that, sometimes we're like, oh, no, no, that wasn't me. 
That was them. That was, that was actually my spouse because let me just tell you why all the things, or they'll, they'll tell you, let me just tell you, that was my kids, let me, uh, here's my boss, here's my finances, whatever it may be. And so we enjoy the idea of being free to make our decisions. We don't necessarily enjoy the responsibility of owning the fruit of those choices. But here's the thing. If I am the one sowing in my life, then I am the one that is reaping. So at some level, if, if I'm stuck, guess what? At some level, I'm choosing that. If I am in despair in life, if I look out and I'm like, man, my life is just, there's a whole crop of despair everywhere. At some level, I am actually sowing despair into my life. If I'm angry, guess what? At some level, I am choosing to be angry. I know at times when we're angry, we, we talk about it like it's something that just takes us over. Like, oh my gosh, something inhabits my body and I don't know, and it causes me to say crazy things, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that if God will not be mocked, we reap what we sow. At some level, if we are experiencing anger all around us, then at some level, we are choosing to sow anger into our relationship. Now, here's the thing. This is even especially true with all the resources that we have today. I mean, look, you have the ability right now to pull up your phone, download an app, and text a therapist and get an answer back right now. I mean, talk about resources. Look, look, if this was like the 1900s, like I, I, I would understand maybe like if this was like 1901 and you're like, I don't have the resources. I don't know how to get rid of my anger. I'm like, we have Google, folks, right? <laughs> if you want to know how to get some hope back in your life, just Google it. There's, there are resources everywhere. And hello, you're sitting next to about 100 other people. Just ask someone, right? Excuse me, who has some hope? How did you get that? I would like to start sowing that into my life. There are really no excuses. And so at some level, given all the resources that we have and the fact that we get to sow into our lives, there is something really powerful about this. And here's the thing that I'm going to tell you. I'm going to ask you just to consider that if you can get this spiritual principle into your head and into your heart and not resist it, you will be exponentially ahead of almost everyone that I coach. Your life will move exponentially further and faster if you are willing and able to not resist this idea, but just to own it and say, man, I am the chooser in my life. And I have been sowing in such a way that produces a very specific result that's happening on the other end. Because here's the thing, you will be on track to owning the spiritual authority that has been given to you by God. There, there's a lot of authority in here, right? to say that, hey, if you want a new harvest, just start sowing in a new way in your life and in the lives around you. But here's often what happens is that when we don't like what we're reaping in life, when we look out at life and we don't like it, we're like, no, 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 I, I don't enjoy this experience. I don't like this emotional atmosphere that I'm in. I don't like my relationships. I don't like where my bank account's at. I don't like about where my mental health, all those things, which I, I don't like this. We start playing some of the games that I mentioned with the pumpkins. We just naturally start doing it. So we, we find ourselves saying, what? Anger's growing in my life? How did that get there? What? I'm apathetic? I don't know. How on earth did I become apathetic? What? There's some resentment growing in my garden. There's some lack of forgiveness. There's some bitterness. I can't even fathom how that got there. I had nothing to do with it. Right? This is the equivalent of me saying, what? I didn't plant pumpkins. I planted tomatoes. I don't know how the pumpkins got there. 
And we play this game all the time with this. And we say things like, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't know my heart. I've been loving. And I've been compassionate and I've been empathetic. And for some reason, everyone in my life is frustrated with me. I don't know how that happens. Because I've been sowing love and compassion and empathy, but I don't understand how this is there. It's someone else's fault that I'm having this type of experience here, or I don't even know why this is happening. Let's be honest, ever been there before? When you're just like, this is someone else's fault. It's not mine here in life. Or we find ourselves saying, I'm good. My life's completely healthy. Everything's fine. I'm good. Yeah, no, like our marriage is fine. Finances are good. Kids are perfect. Nothing in my life could ever be better. And behind the scenes, everything's falling apart. Behind the scenes, there's like weeds that are growing up, choking things out. There's depression. There's striving. There's resentment. There's bitterness. And we end up hiding or ignoring the fact that really nothing's growing. At least nothing growing that we want to have in there. The weeds are just choking out everything that's around there. And so we end up hiding or ignoring or performing, saying, if I just do the right things, maybe somehow I'll get back to this place if I hide it long enough. But here's the thing. This principle of sowing and reaping is actually just sown into the fabric of the universe. It is like the spiritual principle that God has set into play in the world around us, whether you like it or not. And this is why it says, God will not be mocked. In other words, God's not gonna look a fool, right? He said, what you sow, you will reap. So based on what you're reaping spiritually currently, what have you been sowing? And Galatian tells us that we're always sowing in one of two ways, in one of two areas. And the first way that it says is that we are sowing to please our flesh. That's one way to sow. Now, this is essentially saying, look, I am sowing anything that feels good to me. Anything that in the moment that's like, this feels good. This seems like a good choice. This feels comfortable. This feels easy. This feels like it's going to get me exactly what I want here in the moment. How many of you know that what feels good for you and what is actually good are two very different things at times? Yes? I mean, everything from I feel like I should eat the whole pint of ice cream, right, to I feel like I should yell at my spouse, right? All of those things feel like, yeah, this is a good move in the moment, and yet the outcome we know is not so good in the middle of this. And there is a world of difference between the two. And the scriptures say that when you find yourself sowing in your life just based on what feels good to you, hey, this is what, this is what seems right to me in the moment, the scriptures say that the, the end game of that will be destruction, that's the only possibility for that there. And then the other, the other way of sowing that the scriptures tell us here in Galatians is to sow to please the Spirit. So rather than sowing into what feels good in the moment or what makes me comfortable or what feels easy in the moment to what is around me, rather than sowing my own personal immediate satisfaction informing me, I look to the Spirit of God to inform me of what I was created to sow. And I use that word intentionally because there are things that I believe and what the scriptures talk about that you were actually designed to sow into your life and into the world around you. 
I actually, I really love gardening. It's something I don't get to do that often, but when I do, I just, I love it. I got to spend some time this weekend uh, in my garden, trimming roses and all kinds of things, and I really enjoy it. Now, when I first started, if you know me, I'm kind of like, how, like, what's the most extreme exotic place that we can go with any hobby that I take on? So I was the guy who was like, I want Venus flytraps and cranberries in my backyard, right? Like, no joke, I had an apartment in downtown before I was married, and I was trying to grow a cranberry bog in the front yard there. I had ripped out all of the apartment complexes, little ferns, and I had planted cranberry plants I had paid to have shipped in from Maine, and I was like, we're gonna grow cranberries here, and guess what? All of them died. And then I was like, you know what? Let's grow some Venus flytraps. And every single time, you know, you, if you ever go to Home Depot, they have them right there when you check out. Every single time I buy them, I'm like, this is the time. We're going to keep this thing alive. And we're going to have giant carnivorous plants all over the house. And inevitably, they all die. And here's why. I realized about halfway into this whole gardening hobby that there's this thing called hardiness zones. Anyone know what hardiness zones are? That, that, that actually the world is broken up into what are called hardiness zones. And the hardiness zones basically tell you, hey, these are the conditions within this zone. And within these conditions, these things grow healthy. So for example, in our region, we are in between zone 9B and 10A. So if you're wondering, here you go. If you're having like a Home Depot run afterwards, look for 9A and 10B. So you can actually look at a plant and on there, it will tell you what hardiness zone that plant was designed for. If you're buying seeds, it will actually tell you these seeds will grow from hardiness zones 2 to 12. They will grow from hardiness zones 5 to 12, whatever it may be. And so you know, hey, here are the conditions in the environment that will actually produce this very specific outcome to grow these plants. And so I can look at a plant and know what zone it was made to grow in. This is why tulips grow really great in Michigan, but they don't really great in, do great in hot Southern California. California because there's a specific cold hardiness zone that they were designed for. Now, here's the thing. Your soul has a hardiness zone. Your soul has a very specific environment that when you plant things in that environment, they naturally grow. And when Paul here is saying, if you will, are willing to plant or to sow by the Spirit of God, what he's saying is God has some specific things that grow within the hardiness zone of your soul. And when you plant them there, it's the right conditions to have life flourish. And you can plant all kinds of other things, but I can guarantee you that the end will be destruction, just like the cranberry plants and the Venus flytraps, right? <laughs> because they don't grow in that hardiness zone. And anything else will lead to destruction. And here's the thing, everything else leads to destruction, because not because God's trying to punish you, not because God's trying to be some like cosmic killjoy, but because you weren't actually designed to grow things like bitterness in your life. You weren't actually designed to grow things like anger in your life. You weren't designed to grow things like envy or selfishness or arguing. And so there's this struggle between what my flesh wants to grow and what the spirit wants to grow based on the hardiness zones of my soul. So if there is a specific hardiness zone, for your soul, and only specific things were designed to grow there. What should be thriving in our garden? I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to the chapter right before this in Galatians chapter 5, because Paul tells us, he says this in Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Who's up for sowing, reaping some freedom in life? So you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. 
Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, you're in the right hardiness zone. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. See, within the hardiness of your your soul, this is what you were designed to grow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what your, like the hardiness zone of your soul was actually designed for. And this is what happens immediately when you connect to the Spirit. When you start sowing into your life based on what the, what the Spirit is informing you of rather than what feels good in the moment, this is the fruit that starts to grow up. When you sow to please the flesh, that's the equivalent of taking a cactus and planting it in the snow. It's going to die. It's just going to die because it was not designed to live there. It's the equivalent of taking a cranberry plant and putting it in the middle of a hot summer day in Southern California. It's going to die, right? Because it was not designed to grow there. Destruction is the only possibility. And so Paul says, look, feel free to attempt to plant things in your life like impurity or unbridled lust or idolatry or contentiousness or division or envying others' good fortune or drunkenness or drunken revel Now, look, here, like I said, God doesn't say, hey, here's all the fun things in life. Don't do that because he's trying to make your life a little less fun. He's saying that because, look, if you keep using your energy to plant these things into your life, all your energy will be sucked up into a worthless endeavor that in the end will just leave you with a dead garden. He's attempting to say, look, would you like your energy back? All that energy that you've been using, planting all of these things that do not grow in your garden, I would like to give you that energy back so that you can start sowing by the Spirit in things where there is no law. In other words, there's no limits. There's incredible possibilities available with those things. Because he's saying, look, the only possibility while sowing by the, spirit, by the flesh is death, and that is not what I intend for your life. And here's the ultimate test. Let me just read some of these things off again slowly and just notice what happens in your spirit. Because if you are promised love today or peace or patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and when you hear those things, doesn't it almost feel like your soul doesn't exhale? Like, like what what would happen if if this actually took place in my life, if this was the experience that I was having on a regular basis. It's so interesting when I coach people and 
in our initial conversation, it almost always starts the same. Like, I want to transform my bank account. I want to have this specific thing. I want to stop doing this thing with my spouse. I want to have this specific type of career. I want to have this specific life. And inevitably, when we have the conversation, when we get down to it, really, it's not about having the money. It's about having the peace that money brings. And so what people are actually looking for is peace. When people are like, hey, I want to, I'm just, I need to fix my marriage because my marriage is all a mess. What they're actually looking for often is like, oh, what I actually would long for is joy and kindness. When people are like, I want a new career and I want to trans, I just want to, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go do this and I'm going to do all these big things. What they're actually looking for at that moment is like a level of faithfulness with them, to them, from them, around them, they, they can step into because at the end of the day, our souls actually long for these things and we think that it's all the other things. But really at the core, our soul is saying, oh, this is what I was designed for, this is what I was made for, this is the experience that I was made to have. Because we were made to be the perfect climate for those things when we connect to the Spirit of God. And when you are growing and sowing to please the Spirit, these things naturally grow in your life. By the way, there is only one fruit in this conversation. It is the fruit of the Spirit. When we have these conversations about this, we often like to think of it as like nine different fruits, right? Like as if there was like a tree that grew like bananas and apples and pears and mangoes all at once. That'd be really cool, right? Maybe we could get on that. Um, but that's not what this is talking about. It just says the fruit of the Spirit. It is a singular fruit that grows. These are not nine different fruits. It is a fruit that grows when you are connected to the Spirit of God. Because listen, have you noticed that it is impossible to love without patience? Have you noticed that? It's really hard to be like, I love really well, but I'm super impatient with people, right? In fact, love, like a prerequisite for love is patience. And so you actually have to have patience in order to love one another. Have you noticed it's really hard to be kind to people, especially that are difficult to be kind to without self-control? Like those moments where you're like, everything inside of me wants to cuss you out right now, but I'm gonna use my self-control right now and I'm going to be kind, right? You have to have self-control if you are going to live a life of kindness. It is, it is painful to attempt to have peace without some type of gentleness, right? You can't go like rearing into peace. You gotta, be, you gotta come in gentle, right? And so they actually are interwoven with one another. It's impossible to have faithfulness without joy. It's impossible to have self-control without goodness. And look, this isn't like the strength finder where you find your strong fruit and your weak fruit and you work on the weak fruit and you give your strong fruit here. Here's the thing. This all has to work together to enhance your life. And so don't kid yourself. If you're like, well, I'm really, really good at joy, but you know, patience, I'm not really great at. Don't kid yourself. There's just one big fruit. And what God's interested in is having all of this grow simultaneously in your life so that this is your predominant experience of life, your predominant experience of God, and your predominant experience with other people. That this would be the defining mark of who you are in every way, everywhere you go. But, but this may be the most important thing that I say today before we enter into this conversation about the fruit of the Spirit is that Here's the thing, I have a few citrus trees in my backyard. I have like a mandarin, I have a Valencia orange, I have a lemon tree. 
Southern California is a great climate for citrus. And so I have a few things. And here's the thing. Every year they grow citrus. I know that's crazy, right? But every year they do it. Now here's the thing. My uh, mandarin tree, never, ever, have they ever been like, you know what? I think I need to go talk to my life coach because this year I really want to grow mandarins. And I'm going to really do it really well. And so I'm going to get some coaching around this so that I can just, so I can really produce mandarins this year, right? My, my orange tree doesn't ever say, you know what, I'm going to go, this year I'm going to hire a personal trainer and man, I'm going to produce those Valencia oranges. And they're going to be like the best Valencia oranges I've ever done. No, like my lemon tree has never said like on January 1st, guess what? I came up with my word of the year and it's Meyer lemons, right? They've never done that. Because here is the thing when it comes to growing the fruit is that the fruit of the Spirit is not something that you do. Now, here's the thing. In our very performative culture where behavior and behavior modification is everything, it is very easy to read this list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, like a checkmark list of things that I got to get around do to doing. Like, how many of you even listen to that? Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go out today, I'm gonna be more gentle, right? <laughs> because we listen to this and, and we see it through a performative mindset, a behavior modification list in order to somehow please God or to be more righteous or to enter into a holy list. Like, like if I'm kind enough, then somehow God will love me more. Or, or like, if I get myself a self-control coach, I'll be more spiritual in this matter. But the fruit is just the natural result of abiding in Christ. It just naturally happens. Just the same way that, that, that my lemon tree doesn't like strive to produce lemons, it just abides in the soil and the atmosphere and it produces lemons. My mandarin tree doesn't have to like strive to produce mandarins. It just abides in the condition and it produces mandarins. And this is what Jesus says to us in John 15. It says, remain in me or abide in me. And I also will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain or abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This word remain or abide, it's like to dwell, to rest, to remain stationary, to be present with. So here's the good news for all of you who look at this list and you're like, I don't have time for gentleness. <laughs> or I don't have time to do more patience, right? For those of you who are already like overwhelmed by this list and saying, how am I gonna ever get all nine, like collecting all of them like Pokemon or something? Like, here's the good news for those of you who feel overwhelmed by this. You cannot manufacture fruit. There's nothing that you could do. There's nothing, there's no way to perform yourself into this. There's no way to, to act good enough to behave your way into this. Your one job is just to remain in the spirit, to abide in the spirit. That's your one job. That's your one responsibility. 
And that is, that is your one focus, is to just stay connected to the voice of the Spirit. And here's the beautiful thing, is as you abide, the fruit comes. It's the Spirit's fruit, not yours. So your job is just to abide, and it's the Spirit's job to release this into your life. Because here's the thing, I guarantee as you just find yourself abiding by him and listening to his voice and remaining in him and just being still and resting in him, all of a sudden you will hear the voice that says, hey, here's the pathway to peace. And here's the pathway to faithfulness. And here's the pathway to goodness. And it will just leak out into every relationship, into every circumstance, into every thought, into every space. And the fruit of the Spirit is just evidence of your abiding. That's all it is. It's like, wow, look at all this around me. Now, now here's the good news is that if there's no fruit there, your job isn't to panic and go, oh no, I, I lost my faithfulness. I lost my joy. Your job is just to go back and abide and let him work it out in you. So when the joy isn't there, I don't go to work on being more joyful. When the, when the love is absent, I don't go to work on being more loving. I, when, the, when, the, when the faithfulness is not there, I don't go to work, white knuckle it to make sure that I am more faithfulness. I just abide. I get back to remaining in the spirit, listening to his voice and staying connected to him. Likewise, I can just check and see. I can look at the garden of my life and be like, man, is there peace there? Is there joy? Is, is there faithfulness? Is there patience? Is there love? And I can say, oh yeah, it's there. I'm abiding I'm abiding. And it just lets you know where you're at in the middle of this. And if it isn't, you just go back to abiding by the Spirit. And the fruit will come because God will not look a fool. If you sow and you're abiding, you will reap a harvest. And over the next nine weeks, we're going to be looking at the various aspects of this fruit. You're going to have the opportunity here from seven different communicators on these fruits and how they show up in our life and what happens when we abide in the spirit and these show up that you'll have the opportunity to step into these. And here's the thing, they're, gonna be, they're not gonna be like coaching sessions on how to be more faithful. They're not gonna be coaching sessions on how to be more loving. They're really gonna be abiding sessions and informing you of, hey, here's what it looks like to abide. And here's what it looks like to have the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control just naturally flow from your life. So the things that we created in the hardiness zones of your soul can actually thrive. And you can experience this life abundant that is producing so much for you and the world around you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have designed us, you have created us like in the perfect space to live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that, that you have made us for those things, that we are designed to produce that in our lives when we are connected to you. And God, I, I pray for those in the room who may look at this list and, and look at their life and feel overwhelmed like, man, I don't, I don't experience any of that. God, would you just remind them that there's nothing to do, that they are just called to be in you, with you, abide with you, and that you are the one that brings the fruit. 
God, would you grant us the courage and the strength and the peace to step into that, to courageously examine the soil of our hearts and our lives and our souls and fully step into that this week, Jesus. And if you're here today or if you're online and, and you've not yet connected to Jesus, and you're listening, you're, looking, you're listening to this, you're like, yes, this is the future that I long for. This is what I want, long to have in my life. I long to experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How do I get that? The only way to get it is to be connected to Jesus. Like he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever remains in me will have all this fruit. And so it starts by you connecting your life to Jesus. And that starts with just entering into a relationship with him. There's no religion. There's no weird ritual. There's nothing even that you have to do besides saying, I surrender and I choose to abide in you. And so this morning, if that's you, if you're here in person and you're like, man, I am ready to connect to Jesus, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, or if you're online and you're like, that's, that's me. If you're online, you can just click that button that says, today, I choose to follow Jesus. If you're here in the room, I just want you to look up at me. I want you to pray this prayer just in your heart or your mind with me. This is just, there's no magic words. It's just you connecting to him. You can just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am broken and that you died and you came back to life for me. And so I make you Lord and I choose to abide in you. And may you bring the fruit of your spirit into my life as I remain in you. I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, your love and joy and patience. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.